Well, hey, thanks for thanks for coming out tonight on this first day of school. I know everybody's uh, excited to be here, right back in College Park, Maryland. Um, if you're new tonight, we would love for you to get the information about RUF. We send out a weekly email. We apologize for not having enough plates. Uh, but you know what? When you don't have enough plates, you have to make do. There's the lids of those containers. They could be a big, a very large plate. You could use that. You could even use a box where all like the sauces come, like you know, and have like Chinese takeout. Um, but if if you're new, we'd love to get your information just so you can know more about RUF and uh, what we're doing. Um, also, if you're a musician, if you're interested in music and worshiping God like these folks were doing, uh, contact Alicia or Jeremiah or Rachel or somebody you saw up here, and uh, we'll help you get plugged in so you can uh, share your gifts with us. Um, my name is Chris Gary. If you're new tonight, I'm the campus minister here. I was just thinking, this is my 24th semester uh, at the University of Maryland. Uh, not the 24th year, 12th year, but uh, I was just saw a lot of times, too. Okay. So this is the 24th. Um, so uh, I just can't get out of here. I'm trying to, but uh, I won't let me go. Um, this semester, we're, we're looking at this idea of the king, and, and Josh gave a great introduction to it, this idea that uh, there's these offices in the Old Testament that God establishes, the prophet, the priest, and the king. And in the New Testament, we have the fulfillment of all those uh, offices uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the ultimate prophet, the ultimate priest, and the ultimate king. And so, uh, as you think about, you know, we we love the Old Testament, because that's all part of, do you know that the Old Testament is about two-thirds of the Bible? A lot of people think, oh, um, I I just want to hear about Jesus. I'm just going to study, you know, the Gospels and the New Testament. And that's good. But you know what? The New Testament is all built on the Old Testament. And uh, a good way to look at it is this idea of promise and fulfillment. The Old Testament is one of promises and that the New Testament that the Lord Jesus Christ fulfills. And so that's just kind of some background as we... Uh, look at this. But we're going to be looking at King David, so the life of David, different stories. Some of these are going to be really familiar. If you grew up in the church, you're going to maybe hear these again. Um, if not, though, and if, if you're new to the Christian faith, or if you're checking things out, or you're not sure where you are with God, we're really glad that you're here, and we, we just want you to relax, and, uh, you know, if you, if you want to sing, you can sing, or you can just read the words. Um, uh, if you want to take part, uh, please do. Um, we have lots of opportunities uh, for you to kind of get connected with us. Um, but I'm going to start tonight with prayer, and then we're going to read 1 Samuel 16, 1-13. So you can either read your Bible or on your phone or um, look up here. So let me pray. Lord, thanks so much for tonight. Thank you for the worship and uh, just thinking about rejoicing in you as the king, the true king of heaven and earth, and uh, the king that uh, was without uh, sin, that led graciously and righteously and without error and without boasting. Um, Lord, we we pray, Father, that we would have a a better vision of who you are uh, and who Jesus is by our time here together, that you would open our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So hear the Lord's word in uh, 1 Samuel 16. But before we do that, let me just set this up a little bit. So, I'm 
coming into this passage, you know, halfway into the book. But Samuel uh, is the prophet, and he is the last prophet before the kingdom starts, the kingship starts. And the first king of Israel was Saul. And the people of Israel came to Samuel the prophet, and they said, give us a king, because we want to be like all the other nations. We want to have someone that leads us and rules over us and gives us victory and security. And in 1 Samuel chapter 8, eight chapters before this, they come to Samuel, and Samuel is grieved, but the Lord says to Samuel, this is my will uh, for Israel to have a king. And in fact, it's not against you, Samuel, that the people have sinned, but it's against me. They failed to look at me as their ultimate king. But in the, in the, in the, uh, the wisdom of God, he allows Israel to have a king. And this all plays into this idea of these human kings that lead Israel, which, which ultimately are just a shadow of what the ultimate king, the Lord Jesus Christ, will be. And so, at this point in Israel's history, Samuel has made Saul the king. The people chose him. He was a head taller than everybody else. And he looked like a leader. He must be a leader. And they chose him based on, basically, his, his looks, his appearance. His, he was large, his size. Um, and so they chose him. But, as the story of Saul goes on, Saul did not follow the Lord. And uh, he went against the commands of the Lord. And in Deuteronomy, there's this contract of how the king should act and behave. And Saul, time and time again, failed that contract. And therefore, uh, the Lord took the kingdom away from Saul. And he gave it to David. And so this passage here is where David comes on the scene for the first time in the Bible. And, uh, and so I will pick up there. That's a long introduction, but i got to give you a little context, because context is king, okay, in terms of thinking about the Bible. Okay, so here, here God's word. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I've rejected him from being the king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, the Bethlehemite for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. So that gives you a little flavor of what kind of person Saul is. He's going to kill the prophet. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 
Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. This ends the reading of God's holy word. So, as we think about this idea of a monarchy, I've been watching The Crown. Um, any, any Crown fans? A few in here. And uh, it's a very interesting show. It's, it's a historical uh, TV show about Queen, Queen Elizabeth, Queen of England, and her family, and all the things that she goes through. So, you know, it tracks through history from World War II. But the interesting thing about that show is that one of the questions that's provided is how can the kingdom of, of, of Britain be relevant anymore? Because it's not like it was back, you know, with King George back in the, you know, 17th, 18th, 18th century. Um, it, it just doesn't have the power anymore. Um, it's basically a figurehead. And we love to watch them and we love to see the weddings and, you know, Westminster Abbey and, and the big hats that are like three feet in diameter and um, just all of the pomp and circumstance. And it's kind of like, it's for, you know, for... For the world, really, it's kind of like this ideal, you know, kind of almost like a Disneyland kind of thing of, of you know, the kingdom. And uh, to some extent, that goes, that resonates deep in our hearts. But that show really is interesting because the queen can do some things, but she really um, doesn't have any exact power. But... When you come to the scriptures, you come to a God who calls himself the king. And he actually rules with ultimate power and sovereign will. And he is a righteous, holy, and good king. And, uh, and so as we think about these passages dealing with the kingship, we always have before us this idea that God is the righteous king who reigns. And God's actually... Uh, ruling, and he is declaring who should be his earthly king. Um, that God is the one who will provide a good king for his people. And so um, that's really kind of my main point. Because God loves his people, he's going to provide a righteous and good king who's going to rule justly. And so tonight, the, the questions are why we need a king? What kind of a king do we need? And Will you submit to this king? And so the first thing is, why do we need a king in the first place? Um, why do we even need a king? You know, we're, we're Americans. 
we believe in democracy. You know, we're we're probably the most independent people in history. You know, everything is like about ourselves. You know, we're, we're very independent. We love our independence. There's there's a good idea about that. Um, but when we come to the scriptures, this there's an ultimate idea of. Uh, well, you know, when we made that confession tonight, we're, we're actually declaring that we don't understand everything. We're actually declaring that, like, actually, if I look at my heart, I'm a sinner. Uh, I need direction. I need guidance from outside of myself. Really, that's what, that's the big picture of the whole Christian faith. The Christian faith is saying, you by yourself independently want to be God, but you can't. Because you're finite. And you need an ultimate, you need to trust an ultimate King who, who knows everything and who is eternal and infinite and wise. And you can trust him wholeheartedly because he has your best interests out for him. But that takes humility. You have to say, okay, I'm going to get off my throne and I'm going to get under his throne. And that's what uh, we have in the scriptures. So why do we need a king? Well, if you look at this passage, we need direction. We need God's direction. And as the story proceeds, you have Sam, Samuel couldn't even figure it out. You know, Samuel chose Saul, the people chose Saul, and he was a failure. He was awful. And now he needs direction. And he comes to the Lord, and he's depressed, and, uh, you know, he's fearful of Saul. And then the Lord says to him, there's, you know, a lot of this passage is just a conversation back and forth with Samuel and the Lord, who is the ultimate king, the ultimate director. And he says, he says this, Samuel, fill your horn with oil and go. I will, I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I, I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Who's done it? I have. God has provided a king in his sons. And so again, Samuel's fearful. Saul's going to kill me. Yet God gives guidance again. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice the Lord and invite Jesse to sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. And so God's sovereign plan was for a king for Israel and he is giving Samuel direction. And this is how God leads us. So why do we need a king? We need a king because we are blind. We are finite. And yet God is infinite and he is wise. And so, you know, if you're here, Maryland, you're like, man, I have no idea what to do with my life. I don't know what my purpose is. I'm here. I started in this major, but I don't really like that. I don't know if I should be doing that with my life. Where do I go? Well, I would invite you to say to God, Lord, you've created me. You've created this entire world. Show me, guide me, help me. Be humble enough to pray and say, God, guide me, show me. Maybe it's just like you feel awful about your life. You feel like everything about, you know, maybe your family or your your internal, um, you know, maybe you're depressed. Uh, maybe there's relationship struggles. And you're just hitting your head against the wall. See, see that could be a very, uh, the very thing that you would, you would just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm like, I can't figure this thing out. Help me. I cry out to you. Be merciful to me. Show me yourself. Show me Jesus. Um, this is how people like get converted. This is how people become Christians. They, they run into walls. They keep running into walls 
Because God has made you for Himself, but you are looking everywhere else for your, your kingdom. And God is saying, you're never going to find rest in those kingdoms. My kingdom is the best kingdom, because I know you and I created you. And so, um, I, was, I was over in McLean, Virginia yesterday at a, at a meeting um, for our church. Uh, and uh, it let out at like 3.45 p.m. And if you've ever been on that side of town and you have to come around to College Park, uh, that can take like two hours because the interlude is just jam-packed. So what did I do? I had this thing called a Google GPS on my phone. And so what did I do? I plugged it in and it took me through D.C. And it even showed me like better routes to go as I was going. It changed like, oh, if you want to go four minutes quicker, like go this way. And it was awesome. I didn't have to do anything but listen to my GPS. And uh, that's a small illustration. But to some extent, you know, that's how God leads us through his spirit. He directs us. We need a king. And so Israel needed a king, and they needed a good king. And the Lord is getting ready to provide for him, but he's not going to be a perfect king. So we need a king. Jesus is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. He's good. And so have you considered your life's direction, and are you seeking any outside advice? Or are you just going down the road and doing what you want to do? For, and we can do this even if you believe in God and you're a Christian. We can go into this arena where we, we like just, okay, I have this idea, but I'm not going to pray, I'm not going to ask God, I'm not going to seek God, I'm not going to seek His counsel or other people. You can kind of go, uh, but the, the beautiful thing is His Spirit will ultimately guide you, but He might run you into a lot of brick walls in the, in the uh, you know, in the meantime. If you've never um, come to the Lord and you're not a Christian, maybe this would be a time to say, God, you know, reveal yourself to me, show me, direct me. Um, is this true? Is this real? Like, ask Him that. Just be honest and say, God, like, reveal yourself to me, help me. The second thing is, what kind of king do we need? And it's not what we expect. Because uh, it wasn't what Jesse expected or Samuel. You know, so, so all, the, all the sons of Jesse proceed, you know, before uh, Samuel at the sacrifice. And uh, he's, he's the kingmaker. He's like looking for his king to anoint, you know. And, and uh, Eliab goes by and he's, you know, surely this is like... This must be the next king of Israel, but no, that wasn't him. And Abinadab, no, that wasn't him. And Shammah, and then all seven sons passed before um, Samuel, and the Lord kept saying, nope, that's not, not him. And so he wasn't even there. So the, the ultimate, so the king of Israel wasn't even present in the room. And Samuel says, is there another one? And there was. It was it was David, and he was out in the field. And so I, I think this is very interesting, because um, David was forgotten. David was of no account. David is just the youngest. He's out there with the sheep. You know, certainly David's not the one, because he's too young, you know? He's, uh, he's not even mature enough to be, to, like, be considered this. And yet, he is the one who is anointed to be the king. And the Lord says this great verse, the Lord does not, the Lord, it says, Do not look on his appearance, or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him, to Iliad. For the Lord sees not as man sees, 
Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And uh, this is an incredible verse that could be talked about for days. The Lord looks on the heart. And uh, what we see in David's life, because we have so much material about David, uh, Acts, in, in the book of Acts, it says that, uh, quoting an Old Testament passage, that he had a heart after God's own heart. That David had a heart for God. Basically, half of the Psalms we have are David's prayer journals, David, David's worship book, his praises. We see a heart that is exposed. We see David in a real relationship with God, a real personal relationship with God, where he's saying, I sin, Lord, forgive me. God, where are you? I'm crying out to you. Are you even there? He's like totally dead honest. And the Psalms are exposing everything about who he is. And he's crying out to God. And he's praying to God. And it shows us a heart after God. Now, as we go on, we see, we're going to see David is like lots of flaws, lots of warts, lots of evil, lots of sin, incredible sin, murder, adultery, cover-up, um, can't raise his child right, rebellion in his family, all kinds of different things. But at the same time, we see a heart that is soft towards the Lord and repents and looks to God. And so, this is what God is looking for. And, and so the side note here is, um, you know, in the Bible, when it talks about the heart, that's not like just this vessel that's pumping. Hopefully it's pumping inside of you. Um, <laughs> but it's this idea of the seat of emotions, of desire, the center of your person. Like, deep down, like, who are you? Like, who are you? What are you all about? Like your heart is the center of your desires, the center of your will and emotions. And this was the heart David had for the Lord. My question for me and for you is, like, if you look at your heart, that center of who you are, what is it all about? Is it about yourself? Is it about GPA? Is it about American Dream? Is it about whatever? Relationships? Is your heart hard? Um, because of sin, basically all of our hearts are hard. In fact, the scriptures say that our hearts are like stone um, and that they're dead. And it takes God to actually resurrect our hearts by His Spirit. To give us a new heart. A heart made of flesh is what Ezekiel says. And so, God is looking at your heart. If you sense that your heart is a heart of stone, that's actually a good thing because you're seeing that like, oh, I think I'm a sinner. I don't understand this. And you, you just start crying out to God. God, like, change my heart. Like, help me. Like, make me new. Um, redeem me. The world looks outside. The world wants flash, power. The world wants Tom Brady and Giselle. Okay, the world... I'm sorry. Um, they, the, you know, we want the Tesla. There was, I was walking around Columbia Mall the other day, and there's like a Tesla in there. 
And people were, like, you know, sitting in it. And there was, like, two Tesla people, and it was, like, amazing. I should have sat in there, but I didn't. But we want that. It would look so beautiful. It was red. It was, like, right there in the middle of the mall. Beautiful. Never will I have to buy gas again. And we like the flash, but God is, like, saying, no, it's the inside character of the heart. The love, the steadfastness, the patience, the wisdom, like the, the character. So the side note here is like, man, if you're wanting to get married, if you're wanting to look to date somebody, have a relationship, like we like to look on the outside and God is saying, like, look at the heart. Look at what's dead center. Like, who is this person? Who is this person on the inside? That's like the lasting stuff. That's the lasting stuff. Who Are they... Do they have integrity? They love God. They love other people. Are they humble? Can they repent? These are the things you look at for relationships. Not just like the flash outside. But you look deeper. The flash outside is nice. That's going to wear out. Look at me. Look at my hair. But the inside life, that's what like God is saying, like the inside life. So that's the side note. But like, so David, you know, David was that person with a heart after God's own heart. And so um, if you don't have that heart, Ezekiel 36 says, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Everything there is God's doing. I will do this. I will do that. I will do that. So if you don't have that, cry out to him. Say, Lord, give me that heart of flesh. Change me. Help me. You can't do it on yourself. You can't do it by yourself. It's not like a 12-step program and then you can have a new heart. It's just like humble yourself before God. Acknowledge that you're a sinner and you have a hard heart. And if you do that, God, if you if you are honest and you're seeking God, God will change your heart. He'll, he will give you a new heart. Today is the day of salvation. Um, okay, the last thing here is a king you must follow. A king you must follow. Um, and so David, this story shows us all these parallels that foreshadow the Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of God. Remember I said, when you look at the Old Testament, think about promise, and then the New Testament fulfillment. So we're seeing a lot of promises and shadow forms that will be fulfilled in Jesus. And so it's interesting how the Lord says, um, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Because that word in the scriptures, anointed, means the Christ. The Christ. It means the Messiah, the anointed one. And so, obviously, as we come to the New Testament, we learn that the Lord Jesus is actually in the line of King David. He's actually a son of David, It's called. he's called. He's actually in that line. If you look at the genealogies in Matthew and Luke, he is a son of David. And later on, we're going to see where God makes a covenant with David, and he says to him, David... There's going to be a descendant of yours that will reign forever on the throne. Forever on the throne. And it can only be the forever God that the Lord Jesus Christ. He will come. He will fulfill 
that promise where Jesus is forever on the throne. And so there's parallels here um, uh, with King Jesus. David was unexpected. He was an outsider. He was like of no account. You come to the New Testament, nobody expected Jesus to do what he did, right? He's born in a manger. He's born in poverty. He was, Isaiah says, he was despised and rejected by man. Nobody gave him anything. And yet he becomes the king of glory. Um, he, it's also interesting how, like, where was, where was David, where did David live? Bethlehem. Ah, where, did Je- where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. House of bread. That's what the word means. House of bread. Jesus came to give life to the world. David was a shepherd. Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. It's interesting. All of these parallels. This is how God has set it up. So that we can see that the, the Bible goes together. Promise and fulfillment. It's like we can trust it. It's unified. And then the Spirit. It says that the Spirit came upon David. And it was with David forevermore. With Saul, the Spirit left him. The Spirit left him. It came every once in a while on him in his career. But for David, it comes and it stays. And when we get to Jesus and his baptism, the Spirit of the Lord descends on him like a dove. And it stays on him. And and Jesus' first sermon in Luke 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so, this is the parallels. This is The Lord is saying, um, I'm going to provide for you a king. Ultimately, I'm going to provide for you myself, my son, the Lord Jesus. He's the one that's going to reign. He's going to have the Spirit upon him. And in Psalm 2, there's a, uh, a psalm... Uh, that seems like it's about King David, but it's actually about the Lord Jesus. And it talks about how God is going to appoint his king. And he says, he says this at the end of the psalm. He says, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm 2 is one of the most quoted psalms in the New Testament. It's quoted a lot in Acts. And... Uh, God is making these parallels with his king and how the Lord Jesus fulfills the kingdom. And that ultimately, it's not about submission to King David back then. It's about submission to his son, the king that he puts on the throne. And so, as God brings his king to bear, there's only one way. There's only Well, there's two ways. You can say, I'm going to reject him and... That's destruction because he's your creator and he made you, he loves you. And he he made everything we got here, all the blessings of the school, everything, your families, everything you have. That's all God's. And he's saying, submit to my good leadership because I'm the ultimate loving, humble, beautiful, wonderful, awesome king. Bow your knee to me. In Philippians it says, you know, every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. 
That's kingdom language. Bow to the king, the good king. Let me pray. Lord, thanks for this night to be able to kind of kick this off. And I pray that you would um, work this word in our life. I, I think of my own heart. I can see a lot of hardness, a lot of rebellion. And Lord, would you change my heart? Would you change our hearts to make them humble, to bow before your good kingship in our lives? And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen. We have one song to close. Be thou my vision.